Welcome to the Microgreens Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Krokmalden. Together, we'll explore the art of turning tiny seeds into a thriving microgreens empire, sharing insights, coveted secrets, and strategic wisdom from building one of Canada's largest microgreens farms. Stay tuned for thought-provoking conversations with leading figures in the world of microgreens. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we have Haley and Richard Camacho from Miko's Micro Farm in Utah. On this episode, you'll learn how this dynamic duo started their farm just 16 months ago and are now producing over 600 trays a week. Miko's Micro Farm ships microgreens nationwide, which we dive deep into. They're focused on creating a quality product and building relationships with their customers and the foundation of their business, which is their purpose to promote the amazing health benefits of microgreens. This is a really fascinating and inspiring episode, so let's get right into it. Welcome to the podcast, Haley and Ricardo. I'm super excited to have you on, and um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having us. It's our pleasure. We're super excited to be sharing uh, a little bit about us uh, here with you, so thank you. Awesome. So I, I'd love to hear how you guys first got interested in microgreens and the backstory of how Miko's micro farm, micro farm came to be. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, it's kind of a, a very unique story. This all started because of our little boy, Miko. This is why it's called Miko's Micro. Um, he was sick. We were sick with, uh, there's mold in our house and uh, really started to affect his health. Um, and uh, we needed to do something about it. So we did a little bit of research on it and knew a little bit about microgreens um, here in Utah. Um, after finding out a little bit more information, it also came to us wanting to learn how to grow something. So those things kind of played together very well at the same time. Um, we knew one of the biggest seed suppliers um, is based out of here, Salt Lake City. So it took him as a little um, um, field trip, and uh, he got to see everything. The reason I really, besides the, um, the health aspect of it, the reason why I really leaned into the microgreens, because I really wanted him to see the full cycle uh, growing, you know, everything from planting germination to uh, every cycle, um, kind of in a short period of time. Um, at that point, we're kind of busy um, with something else as well in other business. So we just wanted to kind of find something that was fast. However, after going to that seed supplier, kind of seeing, you know, the need not only for um, the valley here, but also nationwide, and then adding on top of that the health benefit and um, on why and also why we were doing that with Miko, it just kind of, uh, you know, one foot in front of another kind of just unravel to be you know a year and a couple months later to where we're at now um that's kind of how it started all inspired by our little boy miko um and this is why we decided to name it miko's micro and it just kind of uh fit perfectly on that so that's awesome what a what a great backstory to uh uh to starting a farm so is, is miko involved at, at all with with the farm or is he kind of just, just <laughs> yes, um, no, he's very uh, much yeah. involved guys follow us on our social platforms he jumps on there we just did a couple lives with him over over the weekend um so yeah he's very much involved he loves planting he loves doing all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of inspiration behind that uh for us um but even more than that is definitely the health aspect that we've really um have to have uncovered now with all the you know testimonials not only with our personal kid but definitely as i mean there's so many more that we'll share here with you as well so that's awesome. And I hope he's spreading the microgreens love in, in, in school and sharing that with uh, friends and getting more, more young people to eat microgreens. Because I think, you know, the standard American diet is unfortunately not the healthiest, but microgreens are something that's so accessible to grow no matter where you are. 
and you know in, being able to incorporate that in the early stages of people's lives will propel them onto a much healthier path than what you know the advertising of unhealthy foods and and the whole uh machine of of uh, processed foods uh has kind of led us down so um yeah just that alone is is uh is an amazing uh frontier for for someone young to be able to help spread that that message which is amazing no for sure I actually we still currently see it every single day his friends his buddies i mean we've seen it buddies that have never ever tried greens or they don't eat them on a regular basis and just because of of Miko trying them, having them, you know, come and experience in it. Um, it it's definitely changed. There's a lot of uh, parents that have been like, it's unreal. My kid will grab a bunch of microgreens now and eat them, something that they've never done. And it's all because of Miko and his passion that he naturally has on that. So it's definitely rubbing off. And uh, um, we, we've definitely talked about doing a lot more of people being able to see it, you know, through social media, because uh, it is an impact. It is an impact to be able to, uh, um, go a little bit farther than when you ask most people where did your food come from, which is just grocery stores. So it's a full circle that we've been able to find. Yeah, yeah, and for and for Miko's friends to be able to like be like, where do you get your food from? From my friend Miko. <laughs> like it's 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 pretty cool. Um, um, so I, I love to hear kind of who you sell your products to. Like, what is the breakdown between like direct to consumer, retail, restaurants, distributors, um, and why you kind of chose the, that that those markets. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think um, we we first started, of course, it was us personally. We wanted to, to do our health journey on that aspect of it. But after that, after kind of seeing the need on it for the Valley, um, we kind of went for restaurants. We went for restaurants for two reasons. One, um, because most chefs don't really get to see or even know where the food really comes from. They just order it on a screen and then it gets delivered, you know. So that was one of them. And another one in the business aspect, we really wanted to get a creative base create a base that would really um, propel this business, you know, month after month, um, just having that base on that. So we started out with, with chefs first um, and then, you know, has completely transitioned to not only be able to do chefs, but also um, a lot of homes. A lot of homes have actually been something very, very new. I'd say at this, at, in our current stage right now, we're probably about 80% direct to consumer, 20% restaurants. Uh, but we did start with that restaurant base to just give us a solid base to start. And then once we had that, the ability to grow, um, then we saw the need for consumers to have this direct to their home. So right now it's probably about 80-20, but having that local support was was where we started. That was everything for us in the beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you guys, you said you've only been around for about a year and a year and a bit? Yeah, so we uh, we started in August of last year. Wow. Um, so yes, it's been a year and now four months on that. And, uh, it's just, it, it's been crazy fun. Um, and more than anything, it's been very impactful, the impact that we get to have, um, not only with chefs, but also now with homes and even, even further than that, people that are actually using the microgreens and craving them because they're going through a you know, life change, going through chemo, going through all kinds of stuff. And it's, it, that itself is very impactful for us and as well for those people, so. For sure. And uh, one thing that I'm really excited to ask you guys about, because um, this is, as far as I know, the first microgreens farm that I've personally heard of that is selling the pro uh, selling product direct to consumer, but shipping the product. So I'd love to hear more about 
like what like how you guys are doing that because i think that in and of itself is kind of a very interesting uh achievement because you know they're very perishable products so i'd love to hear how you guys are doing that and what made you kind of decide that that was the route to go uh, i'll jump in here to think it's kind of a funny story but back about a year ago now a year and a month ago we had um, reached out to a local influencer who is a really big influence in the health and wellness community and we brought her some microgreens and she happened to share them on her platform and she shared in that post that she that we um, offer them nationwide and so we at that point just had to kind of pivot and figure it out and we got a lot of orders coming from that post and luckily we have a lot of experience in shipping products from some previous businesses so it was something that we were able to very quickly figure out on our end so we invested um, in uh, insulated cooler boxes which are it's we're really proud of them but they're all eco-friendly and our a big mission of our farm is to be as sustainable as possible so all of our insulated cooler boxes are sustainable and we basically just had to figure it out and ever since then we've had a really we have you know we've, we've shipped from all the way from new york to we've shipped to hawaii we've shipped to alaska wow. we've we're, we've shipped to every every state in the country now. Um, so we have a, a pretty big customer base that's just all over. And it's definitely a, a learning curve to ship perishable items because they are something that are so delicate. So it's something that we've had to um, work with quite a bit to make sure that our processes were uh, efficient. But over time, we, we made it work. And now, we've, we like I said, we have we ship to every state in the country right now so that that's incredible that that's like unbelievable like if i lived in hawaii and let's just say hypothetically or alaska is even better one because there's really not there's not that many people up there which means there's probably not a lot if any microns farms um that at least that i know of that you can actually still get this fresh product delivered uh you know to Alaska from Utah. I think that's just, I think that's revolutionary for this industry. And it's really cool to see. Uh, and what a unique story of how you guys started, started actually shipping it nationwide. I had a farm for, for 10 years and I always considered this option, but uh, I never delved into it too deeply. But whenever I just considered, it, I was like the packaging and the shipping costs are going to be quite expensive. So how do you guys manage finding like, because if you need a cooler box, I guess sometimes in the summer months, you might need like some something to keep it cool. And then the winter, something to keep it warm. So how do you, how do you find that um, that cost balance to be able to provide it nationwide, but still make a profit growing uh, and shipping it nationwide? So I think there's definitely a balance. Um, there's been a lot of trials and errors. Um, there's still... Um, a big learning curve. Um, however, how this kind of happened, um, like I said, it wasn't something that we were all going to start shipping nationwide. It was just kind of more the need that happened. So it kind of totally propelled us in a sense to be able to really start figuring these out. So everything from figuring out where it's going, what the temperature is, what might be the trajectory of that product going there, um, totally changes. You know, in the summer, you can have certain places like Arizona that are peaking at 120 and you have other places like Northern California that are peaking maybe at 85 or something. So it just kind of depending on where it is that it's going um, on how we package it. Um, and on the other aspect of it, on how we get to do it, it's just um, doing a little bit of uh, when it comes, I mean, we, when we decided we were going to do it and we, we decided to do a full end. So going uh, the bulk buy, the bulk buy really does a complete you know, difference on that, um, buying 
you know, big amounts of these correlated insulated boxes. Um, and I think our customers also really do understand, uh, first, our standard when it comes to our microgreens um, and how we process them, um, but also um, being able to, you know, pay for a shipping because they know what they're going to get. So we, it's kind of, we meet in between with us also putting our part into it and having a little bit of investment, but also from our customer side and them understanding, um, first of all, how we do everything and just the quality of a product that we do. But again, this has all been trial and error. Um, it hasn't been something that we were like, we're totally going to start shipping nationwide. Um, but that's kind of how that has unraveled. That, that's that's awesome. And do, do you guys do any local deliveries anymore? Or is everything shipped out? No, absolutely. We do a lot of local deliveries. Okay. One of our biggest thing is having that high touch with people. Um, and, and we love that uh, people, you know, we, we use, especially for local people, we use reusable containers um, to be able to cut down on the clamshells. Uh, we also do that with our, um, with our restaurants. We use uh, restaurant grade containers and um, we do the SSA program. So every time we drop off a uh, microgreen, they leave out their box or their container outside and we use that same reusable container. So when it comes to local, um, it's definitely that high touch that we try to have. So, yes. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I saw on your Instagram, uh, the reusable containers. So another, another uh, thing that I've always wanted to do, but when it came to just actually making it work from an efficiency perspective and like a food safety perspective, it seemed difficult. So I'm wondering how, like, do, do they just go in the dishwasher when you, when you get them back and then you can reuse them or like how, how does kind of the process work with yeah, using Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, we use these reusable, the restaurant great containers that we use. Um, and most of the restaurants are going to wash it themselves. However, every time it comes here to the farm, we do a, a full another wash on them. Um, so yes, the same way that we would wash any other dish, we would be washing these containers as well. So that's, that's how we keep up with that. We actually started when we started with restaurants for me, like I said, a big mission is our sustainability aspect. And I just couldn't like fathom them throwing away thousands of plastic clamshells, you know, just every week, just thousands going to the landfill. So we really thought, how can we change that? What can we do differently? And so that's when we thought of the customized containers. And not only that, but we were able to go and really give our, our restaurant customers, our clients of that one, that touch, that personal touch, we're able to customize their containers. So they're getting like every single one of our restaurants has a customized container where they're getting oh, their cool. same containers every single time. Um, so that's, that's one of the ways that we are able to be more sustainable, eliminate a lot of waste, and then give them that just personal touch. That's something that they all really, really love having is their customized containers that has their logo on it and something that we're really proud of there too. Yeah, that's cool. That's kind of like a, a unique way to have like a, like a brand loyalty is like, look, we've put this extra step in for you guys. Restaurants in general, they have a shorter life cycle than certain other types of business because they are hard to so, you know, it's, it's a very difficult business to run a restaurant. So just having that brand loyalty, like allows them to want to stick with you. Let's say the restaurant shuts down, then it goes somewhere else. They still going to feel that connection to, to your farm and your business and want to still buy from you. Even if, you know, that specific, um, branding is not there because that company is, uh, not around anymore. That restaurant's not around. So I think, I think that's like a really cool way to, um, to, to create that like close relationship and, and, and loyalty to your farm. That's, I think that's awesome. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I would love to hear what the best selling varieties are on 
I, I guess for both the, the restaurant side for chefs and then on the retail side. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably for our retail side, our most popular one is going to be our broccoli. Um, our broccoli, our peas, um, those are uh, sunflower. Um, they're very, very much popular. They're very easy for your palate to start getting used to them. Um, for people that are first timers trying them just because of that amplified taste that each microgreen has. Um, I think for restaurants, they're a little bit, it's a little bit of a different. They're looking more for uh, a unique look. They're looking more for how can I enhance this dish? Um, and I think for them, it's what we call our chef select, which is a, a combination of a whole bunch of different microgreens, but really giving it that color is things like tamarind. Tamarind gives it that color and they absolutely love that. Just a vibrant color on that. Um, so I would say probably those are our most popular ones. All of our, all of our blends that we offer, we put a lot of time and research into curating specific blends that help different uh, situations. So like we have a hormone harmony blend that's available to our customers that is specifically designed to help with hormone imbalances, um, detoxification. We have an immunity blend that's also specifically for immune health and to be able to support your immune system throughout, especially during times like during winter when everyone's getting sick. So we've taken a lot of time to really understand each of these different microgreens and how they can help benefit your health. And we we specifically curate those to be able to Im impact your health in a really big way. So those are also very popular, our mixes. And our Chef Select, we, we spent a lot of time curating that. And I remember when we very first put it together, we we had we have the, a little plate with all of the different ones and we sampled all of the different flavors, just putting a lot of time into, into making us a blend that was super great for all of these chefs, but also, we're very, we work very closely with the chefs. So we have a lot of local chefs that, that ask for um, certain types of microgreens to go along with their, their different recipes that they're making. When they do menu changes, they come to us and we work together to curate specific ones for them too. So that's a really fun part of what we get to do is putting a lot of that time into specifically curating things for them that work, work for their flavors. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I, I've never heard of a uh, hormone blend, but that, like the just the, the not just from a marketing perspective, but also from like just a health perspective to have something that's not like a supplement that can also help with those things that's been curated for those purposes. I think is really, really cool. Um, I think that's like a whole new opportunity in in the microgreen space. If let's say you wanted to have a blend that helps prevent cancer or something like that, like it's probably good to have some sort of professional like back the product or say or like have some sort of so like or at least studies like because you know sulforaphane as far as i know is supposed to be good for uh uh preventing um cancer and, and um yes. free radicals in the body um so as long as you can like show that i think that's pretty pretty damn cool for me at yeah. least like you know, someone that's really focused on health yeah, we, we have a local doctor actually here that is a naturopath doctor and she works closely with us to, um, you know, it's just a little bit challenging on social media. You have to be careful. We can't make claims and things, but we can yeah. rely on the doctor to help us. And, there, you know, with a lot of the research that is starting to be done on microgreens, that's also beneficial. But we do work closely with a doctor to help um, just just fold us, give us validity on those. Uh, yeah things that we're curating so for sure and uh, you sell the the hormone and immunity blend and sorry what was the third one 
we have um, right now we have a hormone harmony blend and our immunity mix, and then we have our uh, chef's blend. Okay, so the 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 uh, hormone harmony and the immunity blend those you sell to like those you'll ship nationwide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Those cool. Nationwide, and we also have a shop in our in our farm where we have a lot of local customers that come and just shop directly from us too, which is really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that that's great. Yeah. I I've always thought about uh doing that, but then you get you get into zoning and things like that and it starts getting a little a little tougher depending on where you are. It sounds like you guys are doing a lot of very unique things in the microgreen space and and really innovating in this in this space and I think it's really cool to hear uh how it started and all these very unique things that you guys are are doing. Uh, I'd love to hear kind of what an average week looks like for both of you. Um running running your your farm which I, I i know it's hectic it's it's definitely a, a can be crazy at times but i just love to hear what an average week looks like for you guys sure well i mean first of all i think one of the biggest um things to really kind of put in perspective is life cycle of microgreens it, it's so fast uh, compared to anything else uh, out there that i think that in itself kind of pulls you i tell Haley all the time our weeks feel like months and our months feel like years just because of the turnover, you know, uh, we'll harvest 250 trays in a day, you know, and have to flip those that same day because of the need of it. Um, but um, an average week is Monday through uh, Friday. Um, we have a full-time farmer um, harvesting um, probably at least anywhere from four to five hours um, um, a day. Um, we have um, those deliveries that go out you know, starting from 10, uh, it's going to restaurants or doing uh, actual routes. Um, Haley does a lot of our um, shipping, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and um, kind of more of that, again, it's just more of that high touch. Always trying to, you know, have our customers um, make sure that their needs are taken care of, which is the most important thing. Um, what else is on there, Haley? <laughs> well, we, we kind of have, we kind of have our roles just to make sure. sure that everything in the business is is moving forward. So Ricardo's kind of main role is sales and acquisition, and I manage all of our customer service, all of our social media, um, and then we both obviously help manage the team. Which I think just having a team of people has been an entire learning curve for us because we've been doing things for so long by ourselves. So that in and of itself takes a lot of our time, just um, making sure that our team has everything that they need to be supported so that we can run and do our part. Uh, but yeah, like he said, every week is just, we're just constantly in motion. We have, we have more demands than we have product right now, which is such a blessing. So we're just consistently, we're just always going. <laughs> every single week is just nonstop and always moving. And, and we are very blessed to have a team of people now that is helping us be able to run and do everything that we need to do on our end. So. That's awesome. Do, do you guys, do you guys uh, harvest and ship every day, Monday to Friday? Yes. Wow. Yeah, we do. And one of the big things that, you, that we pride ourselves in is a lot of the microgreens, at least here, come from either California or Arizona. So by the time they're getting them from a grocery store, they've sat for you know six to eight days. By the time they're buying them, they have maybe two days to use them. We harvest all of our orders day of. So everything that's going out is incredibly fresh. They're getting it at their peak. And then they have, you know, we say 10 to 12 days that they have to use it, but it's really uh, sometimes two weeks plus. So we're always harvesting everything that we send out, every customer, everything that they're getting is always fresh. So it's just constant 
it's constantly moving in here every day, harvesting, cleaning the trays, and then just doing it all over again. For sure. And so, so when you, like, let's say you harvest on a Monday for an order that comes in on Monday, how long does it take? I guess it obviously depends on where in the country they are, but on average, how long does it take from harvesting on Monday till they get the product delivered to them? So we ship everything express so that they get it fast. So the longest they'll wait for shipping is two days. Oh, wow. Okay. So they're getting, if we're harvest on Monday, they're getting it by Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, our local customers are getting it that same day. So everything is super fresh. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that's a lot, a lot fresher than something that's coming from California or Arizona. I know we have, we have the same issue here, less so with microgreens because there's a lot of growers in, in Ontario, uh, the province I am in Canada. But uh, for it's like salad greens, they all come from California, Arizona, unless it's like the short growing season we have up here. It's actually uh, I'm in the middle of a snowstorm right now where I am, which is kind of crazy. But um, just having the product shipped all the way from California here, which is four or 5,000 kilometers, maybe even more. Uh, uh, and it takes, like you said, six to eight days till it gets to the grocery store. If I buy it in the store, it's like, it's bad after two days. So you got to buy it and eat it right away. So it sounds like the same issue with microgreens in your local market. Uh, so that, that just makes a big opportunity for you guys to, to sell a much fresher product and probably at a pretty competitive price, I would guess, because you don't have to deal with the shipping for the local customers. Um, so that, that's amazing. I think that's, uh, it's amazing that they can get it in two days, uh, wherever they are in, in the country. Is, is Alaska and Hawaii is probably a bit longer? You can't get it there two days, it's just expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, when, we it always... comes to the, when it comes to the shipping too, yes, we do everything that we can on our part, but then once it ships, our hands are in. Yeah. So, you know, there are things that happen, you know, unfortunately sometimes and you just have to pivot. And, um, but for the most part, yes, things can definitely get there in time and um, it's exciting in that aspect. Yeah. Do you find winter or summer is more challenging to, to ship? like from a, from a product longevity? I'd probably say summer just summer. because it can leave from a, you know, it can be in a warehouse. I don't know. It can be in a leave. It can leave from a place that it's perfect. And then it can end up in a place that it's um, super hot. And then it's just, it, I'd probably say the summer. The summer can be a little bit more challenging. Um, yeah. There's, there's both, you know, there's challenges to both in the winter. We have to be careful about them freezing. And then in summer, we have to be careful about all of our ice melting and then ruining them. So there's challenges to both sides, but we've, we've been able to navigate it. Okay. For sure. Go through and learn. So. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had multiple times in the winter, just shipping product locally, just with a delivery van and the product near the back of the, of the vehicle would actually freeze if the, if the heat wasn't running enough. Um, so that's why it always blows my mind that like, you know, that you guys are, are, are shipping product nationwide. I think it's just incredible that you've been able to make that happen. I think that's like, you know, a big step forward for the industry. Um, and you guys are like a leader in that, in, in, in this space of being able to actually ship the product, which I think is really cool. Um, moving on more to, to production, oh, actually, sorry, sorry, Ricardo, you want to say something? No, I think that's totally, um, um, accurate, you know, for us. Um, when it came to, to the shipping, um, it, it's just kind of exciting, exciting because it wasn't something, yes, it might be new for the microgreen um, world, but it's not something that companies are not doing. People are shipping, you know, meats across the, across the nation or, you know, there's people who are shipping, you know, curated farm boxes that they do from their local farm that are shipping it nationwide. So 
it wasn't, I mean, maybe it's new for the microgreen to be shipping what it is product like lettuce, tomatoes, and things like that. But people already do it. You know, there's great examples of companies that are, you know, selling full on meals that are in, almost ready in your home and they're still getting fresh. So um, it is new for the microgreen industry, but it's not new for people already getting, you know, yeah. all over nationwide. If anything, I think that's what kind of encouraged us. We did see that. We're like, what? There's nothing different in the aspect of somebody getting, you know, the regular lettuce that is getting shipped versus the microgreens. So, um, yeah, just wanted to add that in. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think from from my perspective, it's it's just the price point of the product. So, like, because if, if someone ordered one clamshell of broccoli microgreens, like the shipping is going to be more than the product itself, right? So that that's where. The, the challenges uh, or where I see the, the, the challenge for, for the microgreens industry. And then on top of that, microgreens are one of the most perishable uh, like fruits or vegetables right. that you, that you can consume. Um, you know, there's, there's only a handful on the top of my head that I can think of that are more perishable. Uh, so that, that's kind of just balancing the combination of those two with the cost perspective that I think that it may not seem like a big deal on, on your end, but I can tell you being in this industry for long enough that it actually, it, it actually really is. It's, it's a, um, an important, a really important step to be able to market your product, not just in your local area, but across your country or even just region. It doesn't necessarily even have to be countrywide. You could just do, you know, the states around you or something like that, just to keep keep it so it's not taking too long to ship. It still expands your market substantially, right? Because if you if you have to, you couldn't drive there. It's not possible. Uh, well, you could. It's possible, but it's just not realistic to to sell direct to consumer in like the next state over, unless you're right at the border of the state or something along those lines. No, for sure. No. Financial aspect of it for anyone that is going to listen to this is you want to make sure you have your local base. Like I said, we started with our restaurant base to give us that, that base so that we could grow. If you just go ship microgreens nationwide here, it's going to be really hard for you to profit. So. Um, like I said, we built a very solid local base before we started expanding. That's allowed us to be able to be profitable while shipping stuff. No, for, for sure. I think that's, that's a great caveat. And we, we also very encourage for those same people, like you said, what if somebody just wants to order one box of bro uh, broccoli? Yeah, we do have people that do that. But on the other end, we also really encourage people. One of our biggest uh, drives is to have people grow their own food. You know, we, we created a, uh, a, a kit as well where they get everything they're going to possibly need to be able to do that. So we really do highly encourage you know people to grow their own food. I think it's yes, I can grow it myself and send it to you, but there's something special and unique about you doing it yourself. So I, I think there's also a lot of the push that we do is um, yes, of course we can send them nationwide, but again, you can always you know buy a kit or grow it yourself to be able to have that freshness. And I think that's the most important thing when it comes to us and and pretty much educating the, the, the people. For sure. Yeah. I'm glad you guys sell uh, migraine grow kits. Cause I think the more people that grow migraines, the more awareness there is, which I think is really important. And then the more people are actually eating these healthy foods. So I think some, some, some farms may not want to necessarily sell that because they see it as like, Oh, they're, they're not going to buy from me if they're growing their own. But like generally most people like it, it, like, as you guys see in most farms can see, it's a lot of work to, to grow migraines. Like you have to be very consistent and you have to be like on the ball with it. Um, so, but, but still allowing people the opportunity to grow their own microgreens, I think is very empowering. So I think that um, it's great that you guys are doing that. I think that that's really cool. 
I will yeah. just say too, when it comes to the shipping aspect, I think the reason we have such loyalty is because not only do we pride ourselves on what we believe is one of the highest quality microgreens, especially here in the area, but once they start eating them and they feel a difference, their bodies are feeling better, their health is better. There's no, there's, there's nothing that will get in the way of them consuming that product. Um, so once they see the benefit, they are impacted almost immediately from consuming those microgreens, they're going to be willing to continue purchasing those. And a lot of the customers, they have, they grow, they have, they buy our grow kits and they're like, you know what? I would rather just get them straight from you because they're delicious. They're ready and I could just do it. So, you know, we just have a lot of people that, that do both. They buy the kits and they still just keep, keep buying the microgreens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Convenience definitely sells. I started only doing living microgreens because I was lazy. I didn't want to necessarily like do all the work of cutting it, packaging it. But then I realized everyone else is also busy and la not necessarily lazy, but you know, it's a time commitment to start if you get a living product to cut it. Um, and some farms do great with it. Um, so there's definitely an opportunity there, but the market is much bigger for a product that's convenient, ready to consume. Um, and yeah, it just reminded me of, of that is that, you know, the, the convenience aspect of growing it versus, um, you know, having it already ready in front of you that it just like appears you press press some buttons on your computer and then it just appears in front of you a couple of days later i think it's like you know a very uh magical part of the world we live in now yes yeah. um so getting more deeper into production um growing for the last 16 months have you guys noticed any disease or pest issues in your production system and if so um have you have you found a way to to manage them? Um, yeah, so we haven't really had you know much of an issue. I think there's a couple things that we do um, to try to eliminate that. Um, one of the biggest things is going to be cleanliness all around. Um, we we work clean. Uh, that place gets cleaned every single day. You know, it, it definitely comes down to cleanliness um, and some of the process. I think one of the other things as well, just from um, prior experience of you know, growing back in the day is um, I use a, uh, a carbon filter in, in our grow operation. Um, there's carbon filters um, that is, you know, cleaning out the air. Any airborne contaminants that might be in there that are going to be, you know, the indicator of a person to get any kind of pest or any kind of uh, um, mites at all. So I think that's a huge contributor of it um is definitely those carbon filters that airflow that that cleanliness of having any contaminants it just really has decreased a huge amount of having any kind of any kind of pest on that and uh, alongside with that is that cleanliness especially once you start growing and you are you know flipping mounts you know huge amounts of trays um it's so easy to just put it back in the cycle and not clean it fully or you know do the steps correctly to avoid that um but I found out that the moment you do that, you end up paying for it in the back end because you do end up getting those kind of, you know, pests or the grow not being as, as well as it needs to be. So um, I, I think those two along are highly, highly important. And I don't know of any, I have no little research, I don't know of any micro, I don't know if you have tried it or have done it in the past of um, using carbon filters in your, in your grow operation. That's been a Interesting. Yeah, I was just going to ask because I was going to ask if it's just carbon filters or if it's carbon filter with other types of filters, because um, 
my my understanding, which could be wrong, is that carbon filters filter out uh, like smells mostly, um, but they don't they don't actually kill. Like that's why I was asking if it has like a UV system or some some like a HEPA filter, those type of things. I think filter out, and then UV kills bacteria. But as far as I know, carbon is is more like a, a smell thing. But I, I'm not an expert on this. I know there's like so many no, people absolutely. in the cannabis so industry. So it is a that. huge you know smell thing. That's one of the biggest reasons, but. Um, it absolutely for sure helps and aids removing any cannot airborne or contaminant or in the air. Um, cool. that's, that is something that for sure it does. It's also a great way to uh, control your humidity. Um, if you can bring your humidity down with, with having carbon filters just because of the process that it goes. It's a live carbon filter. Um, so yeah, um, it definitely absolutely helps. And number one, uh, most people do know, like you said, is the smell, but there is definitely a couple other benefits besides just the smell on that. Interesting. Yeah, cool. Will, I'm going to look more into that. Sorry, I will tell you that Ricardo is constantly monitoring the temperature and the humidity levels in this farm. They are always at perfection. So even in the middle of the night, if something goes wrong, he's running over to the farm and fixing that. So he's very, very, very aware of what these microgreens need to not create mold, to not create um, an environment for pets. And he... Like we said, we take great pride in creating a super high quality product. Um, our farm is incredibly clean. Our air is clean. And I'm sure we'll get more into some of the other things that we do to create that super high quality product as well. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's great. Um, the, uh, it's also nice being in the climate that you're in. Even though it does get hot in the summer, it's generally dry year round or fairly dry year round, which really helps a lot with, with mold because you know, whatever's outside, unless you like have a completely sealed environment, some of those things are going to come into your farm. So being in a drier environment, there naturally is, is less mold, less humidity to, to deal with. So I, I you know, it, it's nice to have that advantage, but I'm guessing there's probably other things you're doing as well to manage the humidity besides just bringing in the air from outside. So I'd love to hear more of like how you, how you keep that perfect environment in your farm. Yeah, absolutely. So we still have humidifiers. We use humidifiers in, um, in the farm. Um, but to be able to really pinpoint um, the humidity and temperature, um, I really lean on my carbon filters. It's a system that I, um, that I have from my phone. I can increase it from my phone, lower it from my phone. And it gives me that ability to always have it to where I need to. Um, I also have sensors all over the, the farm that, you know, because sometimes airflow is not the same on one part of the farm as in another one. So having those sensors and letting me know know where at what time it's peaking um, humidity wise lets me uh, do a little adjustments to, to make sure I keep the temperature exactly where, where it needs to be um, and definitely that the humidity the humidity can be a huge huge factor of damping off mold and or bringing in those pests or any kind of um, animals on that or what pests they might have as well. and I this is totally Ricardo's area but I think the fans you come into here you come into the farm and there's just airflow everywhere so you can kind of talk more about that, but I think that's no, for sure. also I, something. I, I think that's also one of the biggest things when people start seeing a little bit of damping off or any kind of um, pests is not enough airflow. Uh, I think it's something that gets overlooked really, really easy. That airflow is crucial for these little plants. They're packed in this little tray. They need to have that airflow. Um, so the combination of all of those things, you know, temperature, airflow, the humidity, um, and, and again, I, I from my experience, from what I have seen, to be able to make it restaurant-grade um, microgreens, because chefs definitely know the difference between a restaurant-grade microgreen versus not. Um, 
I, I keep going back to what it is, that carbon filter. The carbon filter does a phenomenal job on, on really keeping it clean, having, you know, besides the smell, um, you know, having that uh, airborne contaminants, you know, eliminated, which is a huge, huge inducer when it comes to mold and stuff. But when, yeah. when he talks about carbon filters, he's talking about three industrial size, massive carbon filters. These are not just little, little things. These are massive. Yeah. Massive I, th I think that I'm glad you said that. Cause I think it helped put it in perspective. I've had fish tanks. I've had like, you know, grow tents during my, my, uh, years of, uh, of experimenting with just fun things as hobbies. And I've seen carbon filters that are like as small as like this for a fish tank. And then I've seen like ginormous ones. So I, th I think, I think that's helpful to, to recognize that it's not just any carbon filter. It's the specific ones that you are using that are working really well for your system. And because you're growing on a commercial scale, you need commercial size, uh, uh equipment to match that, to, to be able to properly filter the air. Absolutely. I mean, now that we're in, in this warehouse, yes, there are a lot bigger ones, but we started with small ones. You know, when we were, when we started this in, uh, in our spare bedroom with Nico that he wanted to do it, we had a smaller one. Um, and it's just from my past, from what I know about carbon filters, from what they do, you know, growing different kind of, of a plant that really just amplifies how you're growing it. And that's uh, what really gives me that um, ability to tell anybody, and now it's to the public, you are getting restaurant grade microgreens. You can taste it, they're crisper, they're, they taste better, they look better. And it's just, um, that goes along into also some of the processes that we use um, and, and how it is we, we, we use an extremely high filtration uh, system um, for these microgreens. I, I think that's something that gets overlooked very, very easy. Uh, people just open up the tap water and hope that it's going to be the best water. And all you're doing is challenging that seed to find anything else that the water might have, chlorine, trial methane, any of those impurities that, uh, that are in the water that most people don't know about. That gets, you know, consumed by your plants and you know when they're so delicate at such a delicate stage you know you're just adding another barrier for them to fight um when, it, when you're not giving them the water so something that makes us completely completely different from anybody um is or that i know about there is going to be our filtration system we, we partnered up with the uh a water research firm here in the valley um NMB water research and uh, we take water to its original state you know it goes over it goes over uh a five different medium goes through a reverse osmosis system. It goes through, through two um, fiberglass membranes and it sits in a, two, a 225 gallon uh, tank. And before it hits any of our lines that are hooked up all over our microgreen office that we just pull down to water, um, it goes through a UV light. So if any kind of mold or anything was created in, in the process of filtration or sitting in that tank, it goes through that extra step and it goes I mean, we've seen, I, we saw the difference from when we were yielding, and I've always filtered water, even when we were at home, used either an RV filter or uh, a reverse sauce. I've always filtered it because uh, I've known the importance of it. But we went from, you know, possibly yielding, yielding on, a, on a broccoli, you know, four ounces and 4.8 ounces um, to just changing the water, the purification of it to over six ounces per tray and not doing a single thing differently, uh, but just giving them, the purest water possible, you know, again, um, and, and we, we don't want to add anything else. It's just water and seeds. We don't add nutrition. We don't add any of that. And it's just because we give it the best possible ability to grow with the natural, you know, original state of water. So I think that is something that 
has completely made a difference, um, of course, with the other things as well. But um, that is another reason why it gives us very much confidence to say these are restaurant-grade microgreens, and it's through and through just because of the taste. At that point, if your water is completely purified, you're not getting any kind of aftertaste that the plant might have absorbed or produced or any kind of that same as you kind of grow it. Awesome. Is there, is there any nutrition in the soil you guys are using? Or is it? Um, it's just a, so it's a local soil that we use. It's the most organic, um, but there is not any nutrition. It's, you know, vermectin uh, line, uh, a little bit of peat moss, um, perlite, um, and um, yeah, it's a local one, completely organic. Um, every step that we do here is completely organic from our seeds that we get to. So um, yeah, through and through, it's, a, it's an organic farm. Okay, cool. Are you, did you guys get certified organic or are you just uh, operating no. as organic? We haven't gotten certified yet quite yeah. yet. Um, definitely something that we're looking into the future um, when it's the right time for it. Um, this is just sharing the processes that we do that you know, you know allow me personally to tell you that that it is an organic waste, but uh, certification yeah. not quite yet. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But I think you guys are set up given that if you're using organic seed and uh, and organic soil that you you guys are already set up to get certified if you decide to go that route. But I think for for from my experience, like I, I was a certified organic farm and um, if the customers require it or you can get some, like there's a, some sort of big benefit, like if you can get a better price point or you're distinguishing your product from other growers, then there might be a benefit to it. But it, it, the closer you have the relationship with the customers, the less you kind of need it. Cause like if you're selling to a chef and you're, you're, you're directly dealing with the chef, they're like, oh, we only want organic product. And you say, hey, we're not certified organic but we use everything that would be certifiable. We just like, if let's say it's a price issue, we don't want to have to charge you guys more to be certified. So we decided to not go that route. So it kind of, it depends on your market. Whereas if you're selling to a distributor and then it's going to a third party and then end up at the restaurant, like, you know, uh, through, through one or two uh, middlemen, then it's hard to say like, oh, we're organic, but then they don't know who the farmer is and, the, and how they actually grow. So the further you are away from the, the end consumer, uh, the more benefit I find it, it, it has. And the closer, closer relationship you have to the end consumer, the less of a benefit it, it generally has. So um, that's just, yeah, my, my no, personal we, experience. With it. We've absolutely seen that as well. Yes, of course, once you get a little bit farther, it's a little bit harder to show them, you know, the full process of it. But something that we've done is um, we've opened up our doors to have the chefs come in to see the processes that we do, the people that are local here to see that. And like you said, them that high touch of them, physically seeing it, the process, how we do it, they, they understand that they, they see it. They're like, you know, great. You don't need to have a certification, but I see that it is that way. Kind of thing. So yeah, for sure. Lots of chefs. Awesome. Um, so I'd love to hear like, so it sounds like from what I heard, you guys have more demand than you can keep up with, which in my mind, Emily, uh, pops off expansion or can, uh, like expanding the farm. So I'd love to hear if you have any, um, plans to expand the farm either in the future, near future, or in terms of uh, customer base, if you're looking at expanding in that arena as well? Yes, I mean, we're absolutely uh, going to be expanding, expanding more. Um, I think for us, for me and Haley is, we don't want to, I mean, we're expanding every single day, don't get me wrong, but we don't want to do it so fast that we're behind in, in a sense. So we want to make sure that you know, what we're building is brick by brick um, and we're the really solid foundation. So 
you know, for every new customer that we're able to acquire to be able to actually give them the experience that we really want them to have. So um, we have huge plans to growing and um, expanding this, uh, this warehouse and possibly even having another unit um, um, here in the future in the next couple months. So it's, it's definitely there. It's just uh, we're trying to do it um, in the way that the business doesn't feel the pressure, but at the same time that we can take um, that experience to each new person, chef, how we want them to, for them to experience it. So, I jump in here and say that we we've been working on a contract for about the last year that is going to essentially double our operation overnight, and it's in the works. It'll be finalized any day now, and so we've kind of just we know that we have a major expansion around the corner, and so we don't really. We want to we want to take care of that uh, that client and that contract before we go and expand anything else. So that right now, that is definitely our focus: is taking care of our current clients and then making sure that once this contract is finalized, we are ready to run and and double our operations. So that's, that's awesome. Very exciting for us. Yeah, you, you, it's incredible how what you built in such a short period of time. How, how many, if you don't mind sharing, how many trays are you growing on average a week now? Uh, we're probably doing over, I don't know, 600 trays a week, um, it, depending on the week as well. Going into the holidays, you know, it's, restaurants get busier, demand gets a little bit more. So, um, I mean, we've peaked out on some weeks, you know, closer to 800. Um, and it just depends on, on the need. You know, it depends on what the yeah. area is as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we have 1,200 trays always in under grow lights at all times and then obviously our germination is always full as well so i think we're close close to like 2500 trays just always in sleep wow so you guys must be are you, are you at capacity like if you had new orders come in that were more than expected like not no, obviously not this contract but just regular orders like can you fulfill that still or or is it are you guys running out of space yeah so one way that we navigate just because we do have a subscription uh, service, which helps us kind of plan for planting and revenue uh, planning and all of that. But another way that we kind of navigate that in case we do have a large sum of orders that we weren't planning for is we do have a two-week lead time. Um, not only does that help us avoid any food waste, but it just lets our customers know what to expect. So we are typically quite ahead of that two-week lead time, but we do have that in place so that customers know Hey, if you place your order today, you're not, it's not Amazon. You're not getting your order tomorrow. We, we are growing live plants. And so we do have that in place. So they do know that sometimes it does. Sometimes we do have the, do have more demand than they have the products. And they do have to wait for that. Um, sorry, that's right. Just kidding. Bye. We do have to wait for their order to come in. We plant as that order comes in and, and then they harvest when it's ready to go. So yeah, we do have that in sure. place so they know to anticipate that. Yeah, I think the using the, the grow to order kind of model is it's really important to keep profitability high because like if if you if you get an order that comes in and you're like growing let, let's say you know 600 trays and you don't have any actual orders yet for them and let's say like all of a sudden you you, you didn't predict but demand was going to be less than you expected then you have all this extra product that you have to take a loss on uh, so having the grow to order model just prevents that 
major potential issue from from happening and ensuring you know what you're actually making on every tray or every clamshell of microgreens um, or in your case reusable container um, for for the local customers um, so i think that's just really helpful to run a microgreens business in that capacity rather than just growing whatever you can and hoping it'll sell because uh it's yeah you'll just have a lot of waste that way and, and it'll be a lot harder to to make a, a good profitable business that way i will say it's been i i don't even know the last time we had a tray that we couldn't use predictability <laughs> we know a lot of my restaurant clients have ordered the same amount consistent with what they order so we're able to predict things that way and then obviously with our subscription company it's it's very easy to go in and plan all of our planting make sure that we have what we need and it's been a very long time since we've had to throw anything away to our chickens <laughs> that's awesome and uh, i'd love to hear what your guys personal favorite microgreen is and then how do you use them at home uh for me i'd probably say the cilantro uh the cilantro it, it's I mean, it just blows up in your mouth. Yeah. One I mean, something so small can amplify your, your mouth incredibly. So I'd probably say the cilantro is my personal favorite. Um, I use it a lot on tacos. Um, just had tacos the other day. And, and uh, Nico himself was actually, can I throw some microbreeze in there? And it, it's just, yeah, probably so the cilantro. We use, I use that personally a lot. Uh, my favorite is our immunity mix. It's a blend of our most nutrient seven most nutrient dense microgreens it has a really really good flavor if you're not used to microgreens it is a little bit more of a potent flavor but i love that because i know that i'm just getting a huge you know just a major nutritional impact from just a small amount and we're able to use it on so much i personally use them every single day in our protein shakes to start our morning we use them on our eggs in the morning we use them we basically use them breakfast lunch and dinner and snacking um, my favorite snacking microgreen in the farm when we get hungry is to just come snack on the peas. I love the peas because it's just like a like a snack pea from the garden from when I was little. So I really love those for snacking. They're really sweet. And I always tell people, if you are new to microgreens, I would start either with something like a pea where you can get your palate more used to it or something like a broccoli before you jump into our hormone mix or our immunity mix because those definitely have more of a potent flavor. But and, um, we were telling you about Miko earlier and yeah. he... He, almost every night, that's what he requests over his vegetables. He just wants a big pile of microgreens. And he also, almost daily, he grabs a Ziploc bag and fills it up with microgreens and goes and disperses it to all of his friends in the neighborhood. So he's very much an advocate that's for awesome. health and nutrition and getting these inside of your body. And I think just for him, he, he noticed just a huge change in his health, his energy, how he felt after incorporating these. And... Just to see a little six-year-old just know the power of these microgreens has been really amazing. And he's spreading health throughout, you know, throughout the neighborhood and through his friends and the community. A lot of the kids here do not, you know, most of them don't even eat vegetables. Like you have to really force them to eat a vegetable or a fruit. And now a lot of them will willingly um, just come over and eat the microgreens. So it's been really fun to see that too. I love that. That's amazing. Um, what's, what, what is his favorite microgreen? He, he will tell you, I think, the broccoli or broccoli the immunity mix. Awesome. We also have a, a chef that uh, curated a really good dessert. It was sunflower. Sunflower, he dips it in an organic chocolate. 
uh, just barely. And it's actually one of their desserts that they use. That's also another one that Nico really, really likes. So again, that's that something working really closely to chefs and, you know, letting yeah. them just open them the, the ability of talking to the farmer profiles, what they taste, Christmas of it. And, you know, that's a great one that I'll put out there if anybody wants to try it. Uh, sunflower uh, microgreen dipped in a little bit of chocolate. Amazing. Great. I'm going to have to try that. That's I've never, I've never, that. This is the first time I've ever heard of microgreens being used in desserts. So I think, I think that's like, I love chocolate. I like, I, I'll dip every fruit possible in chocolate, but I've never thought to dip microgreens or especially sunflower is great because it's crunchy. Um, but I just never thought to do that. So I, I'm definitely going to try that. You know, and, and along those lines, we actually have um, a lot of restaurants that I'm currently working with um, that are going to start using some microgreens as garnishes for their drinks. Um, you know, like a carrot, like that bomb. Mm. There's a couple ones that they're doing. So it's kind of, again, it's a new, um, it's something new, um, but chefs, the mixologists are loving it just because if it's the aroma or if it's, you know, just having that extra little taste after you have um, that, that drink. So yeah, it's, it's been crazy what the chefs have also done to me in that sense to be able to, you know, put it on more things in a sense, not only as just a great food, now going into dessert and then going into the drinks as a garnish. I mean, it's, it's kind of been incredible. I can I imagine. One of, sorry. I was going to say, I can imagine that dinner at, at your house because the, the people, the people around you is who you are most like. So if you're around chefs all the time, and you're dealing with chefs, you're going to want to bring that home. So I can imagine dinner at your house is probably pretty fancy. <laughs> well, it's kind of crazy. We have one, I mean, we, one of our, uh, you know, biggest restaurant customers, they do over 60 boxes of eight ounces a week. And um, they use them on, on probably 80% of their dish, 90% of their dishes. And um, it, it's crazy, like you said, just that little, you know, they're not necessarily looking for the nutrient aspect of it, looking more for the, uh, what the plate can look at. Because if you look at marketing, people are eating first with their plate and then they eat. Um, but to be able to combine both of those in nutrition, but also how it looks, I can see how, um, yeah, a lot of people would say, man, it's not a, a fancy dinner every time I go to your house. So. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, Haley, you were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I think one of the most unique ones that we started growing this year was our cantaloupe uh, microgreen, which we did have some difficulty with at the beginning because it does have a lot lower germination rate, but the flavor is just so unexpected and delicious. And he was mentioning a chef, he also specifically once he learned that we were growing the cantaloupe, he specifically curated a watermelon salad with featuring the cantaloupe microgreen. And because it does have a lower germination rate, we don't sell that one individually to consumers, but we created a melon medley salad mix. Um, so it just gives it that like nice burst of fruit flavor. And that one is really, really fun too. So if you Whoa. haven't tried that one, that one's a really fun one to grow. I have, I have never tried that. It, so does it, does it have a resemblance to cantaloupe? It's crazy. Yes. It's crazy. You would never think of it. I mean, if you pull it out, it's kind of similar to like a sunflower. Yeah. Um, green, probably a little bit shorter, but um, most of the time that I have people try it for the first time, I won't tell them what it is um, and they'll eat it and they'll just look at me and they're like, what was that? It just, it has that very sweet, subtle. So adding it to a salad, you're getting, you know, you add a couple of fruits to it. It's, it, it's amazing. It's kind of, again, one of those things that opening the doors to chefs to let them know what we can do and having them try different profiles, you know, has been a combination of, you know, them curating a specific dish that they're currently serving right now seasonally with, with that one. So yeah, that one's, I forgot about that one. That one's amazing. Yeah. 
That, that's cool. I would love to try dipping that in chocolate too. I yeah, think that would be yeah, another yeah, another yeah, good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I think one thing that's really cool is how much demand you guys are finding for your product. Um, and for mo a lot of microgreens farms, it's usually the opposite. They don't have a problem with the growing side. It's usually the sales side that can often be difficult to get enough sales to make it a, a viable business. So I, I'd love to hear kind of what you think is, is, is allowing you guys to have so much demand for your product that you can't even keep up with it. Cause I, I think, I think that would be helpful for, for other growers. So, I mean, it's, I think one of the biggest things you're still starting a business when you start, but something that we understood is you have to add value to what you're doing um, and adding value with, without expecting anything. Um, and I think that's the difference. Uh, that's been the complete difference of people understanding that, that, it's not about making money. The money's great, sure, everybody wants the money, but it's not about that. And I think the moment people feel that, the moment people understand that, um, it, it's been complete game changer. You know, um, going to restaurants and you know, chefs get approached by people all the time, all the time. I know people get approached all the time, especially in the microgreen um, world. There's been a lot of people that have started microgreen businesses that get a restaurant on board and they go out of business. So. They've been kind of tainted in that sense, but I think for us was showing up, not expecting anything, giving them a sample, um, letting the actual product do the work has been the complete difference on that. I don't ask for business. People come to me and tell me, I want your product. And I think it's because of that, um, you know, going to the restaurants and uh, giving them a container with their logo, you know, you don't have a lot of of people that sell produce to you that are giving you a unique container with your logo. So it's that added benefit that people do, you know, the home deliveries, if it's local and them getting a container as well, because they added, if it, if it's going shipping, why making that, you know, writing a hand wrote a note that says, thank you, we appreciate your business. You know, I think it's, I think it's that the added benefit, even if it's not physically giving something, but that, you know, writing a, you know, a thank you, I, you know, your first timer, you know, I think that has been the difference. Um, from that. And I think that's just, that's just kind of business or, you know, on how we've always grown in business, adding that extra benefit um, in one way or the other, um, giving them that follow-up. You know, if somebody, if a new customer came in and you know, they're going to try something specifically, maybe send them an email. Hey, how was this specific microgreen? You know, having that added benefit of them feeling like, oh, wow, that, that person does know what I ordered. That person didn't uh, see me go through that process and even that follow-up. So it's the high touch with that added value. So I think a lot of that comes from our previous experience too. We've been in business together for, oh, like over a decade now. Um, and so just learning a lot of different things about how to take care of our customers, um, how to continue to get their loyalty. So we've, we've just taken a lot of our previous experience and poured it all into our microgreen business and like you said just making sure that our customers feel our love and know who they are supporting behind a screen i think is super important too when someone knows that they're supporting a family base versus you know just a giant corporation i think there's a lot of benefit to that as well for sure um, that, that, yeah no that that that's that's i think that's really great i think just like like building that goodwill uh, and i think one thing you said ricardo i think is is, is great is that not expecting something in return for that, just putting out 
that that goodwill or, or that good intention and then allowing it to come back instead of trying to to chase it back because i you know I, i've learned in my life you know there's so many of these uh, energetic kind of uh phenomenon that science can't really explain but i've kind of seen them more and more as i've gotten older in action and i think that's that's one where you're just putting out putting out goodwill and then allowing it to flow back to you i think is is uh, is really important and then the, the other thing that you mentioned haley is um having the experience of running other businesses. Like I, I can attest per personally, like my farm was my first business. And I think most people's farms are their first business and running your first business. You're, you're learning, not just farming, you're learning everything else that a company is running a business. And, um, like if I started, like I'm starting a new business now, which is what I'm doing now. And I've been able to accelerate the, the growth of the business much faster than if I started 10 years ago when I started my farm and tried to do what I'm doing now, because I know much more about business and just having that experience. So I think just, um, I think that's a great reminder that, you know, a lot of it is learned on the job and the more, the more you run a business, the better you'll get at it. So, um, just, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of quick motivation for those of you that are just starting your first business is that it's your first time. So you can't expect it to, you know, be a hit, you know, one year in and, and never running a business before. No, for sure. And if I could just add one thing, I'd probably say, um, with that as well, I think the biggest thing is put yourself in the shoes of the person that you want to or that's consuming from you. So if you want somebody to, if you want that chef, how would you want that chef or how would you want to be approached if you were that chef, you know, um, putting yourself in that shoes, doing the process uh, or the, the buying process or the process of that person buying towards you. I think that really opens up um, things that you can do differently, things that you can add, things that you can, you know, add benefit to. Um, so I'd probably say that put yourself in the shoes of the person that you want to buy. If it's a local customer, if it's, you know, a grocery store, you know, just put yourself in that shoes. How, how are, how are they going to buy? You know, what are they going to click? Go through that experience of that customer. I think that even if it is your first time business, I think that's going to be a great base for you to be able to get even more creative on how to grow your business. For sure. I totally agree. I, I would call that thinking out of the box because I think most people are focused on what they think a customer wants instead of, you know, actually kind of stepping out of your role and stepping into the role of the customer and trying to, as an example, try to order the product online and just like mentally think like, I'm going on this website. I've never been on this website. Does this encourage me to want to click to the shop section of the store or, or whatever it may be? And just kind of have out of the box thinking on how you could be, um, changing things for the better to have a better experience for the customer, make it easier, whatever your kind of goal um, uh, is in, in that sense. So I think, I think that's really great advice. Uh, so we're, we're pretty much wrapping up, but this is a question that I think you guys kind of already answered in some way, uh, but maybe there's more is if you guys could go back to when you started your farm 16 months ago and meet that slightly younger version of yourselves, uh, what advice would you give them to set them up for success in this business? I think for me personally is just to have belief, have belief in what you are, what you're doing to not give up, keep that consistency, especially if you're new to this, it's going to take time. Give yourself patience, give yourself grace. You're going to make mistakes. Um, and just to, just to know what your purpose is, um, and to everything that you do to make sure that it aligns with your purpose. And like I said, to just keep going, you know, don't give up and just keep going. I think if I could add to that, it would just be um, 
embrace the process of where you're at. If you're in your business just starting, embrace that because you're not going to be there the whole time. But embracing that is going to give you the best base to understanding when you, you know, if it's only 10 trades that you're doing, but if you fully understand those 10 trades and how you're doing it, you're going to be able to understand if you have 20, 30. And I think people sometimes get caught up of wanting to grow, do this and that. And they sometimes put aside really understanding through and through what it is that you're doing. Um, and I think microgreens, because of the how fast the, you know they grow, I think that's also kind of a misconception. The business naturally is going to pull you if you really kind of slow down and enjoy the time that you're in in that moment. So it's not all the time. The business, because you're growing so fast, I mean, you can't compare it to anything that's growing outside. You're not waiting 60, 90 days. So your turnaround is a lot faster. You're, you're learning a lot faster. And I think people get a little antsy. So it's just more of like understanding yourself in that process because the business itself is going to hold you just because of the life cycle of the microgreen. So I, I, I think that would probably be it is embrace whatever time that, that you're in in that moment and really understand to the fullest of what it is that you're doing because, yeah, you might only have one, you might only have one rack, but there's going to be a day that you're going to have two and to be able to understand two, you have to have had your, you know, your fundamentals completely understood. Um, and again, the business is going to pull you if you're actively growing it, if you're actively doing it, it's going to pull you just because of the life cycle. You know, you're taking a C to end point with some of these microgreens that, you know, latest is what 25 days or something and some of them are seven eight days depending on where you're growing so um yeah i'd probably say that's what it would be that's great those are both really great advices and it's kind of funny as you guys were talking i was like these can kind of apply to just general life advice too which i think is really cool that uh and, and i've noticed that too where sometimes you know advice for business can also apply to your life as well. And it's, I think it's, it's kind of a cool overlap that uh, you can take lessons in business, apply them to your life, take life lessons, apply them to your business. And, uh, and it just makes running a business or living your life much more enjoyable, which I think is awesome. So if, um, if listeners want to connect with you guys and learn more about you and your farm, where can they find you online and on social media? Biggest social media platform you can find us on right now is Instagram. So it's just Miko's Micro Farm. And our website is micosmicrofarm.com. We're going to be expanding to more social media sites. We're on TikTok and things, but right now our main main platform is Instagram, and that's where we put a lot of our a lot of our educational content and things like that. And a lot of behind the scenes of our farm is at Micos Microfarm. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on. This was super insightful. I love doing this podcast because just for me, myself, I learned so much. And I know that everyone listening will appreciate all the great advice you gave and uh, hearing your story. So thank you guys both so much for coming on. No, thank you, John. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, you're, you're pioneering something in the microgreen um, um, industry and, and I love it. There's just, so thank you for having us. Thank you for doing for what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to keep up with this. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Mike Regan's Mastery Podcast. To access a wealth of insights, just click the subscribe button, stay notified about each new episode, and enjoy all of this wisdom for free. If you're ready to supercharge your microgreens business, visit microgreensconsulting.com for a gold mine of guides and resources. We've transformed thousands of microgreens businesses and you're invited to join the success story. 
Let's stay connected. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at Mike Greens Consulting for exclusive content and expert tips and wisdom. If you found this episode insightful, please leave us a review, spread the word, and let's share Mike Green's magic with the world. Until next time, let curiosity fuel your growth and may happiness be your harvest. Happy growing, everyone.